inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thanks for joining today. Once in a while, you might have seen that someone is sharing an article saying the top influential people in such industry, in marketing, uh, in some geography. And you might think, uh, how can I be in this list? Our today's guest is going to tell us how influence can be built. Karen Leung is an influence thought leader and sought-after global keynote speaker. A TEDx speaker, a certified professional CSP, and the author of the book Win People Over. She was featured as one of the 10 influential professional speakers in Singapore by the Singapore Business Review. Karen is the co-founder of Influence Solutions, a leading learning and development organization headquartered in Singapore with offices in USA and India. She's also the co-founder and host of Rise Through the Ranks Summit, a global online leadership summit launching on 12th of November. Hello, Karen. Hello. Really great to you know be with you here today. My pleasure, Karen. Uh, please start telling us a bit of yourself and how you became a public speaker. That's, you know, Oscar, that's a question that I get asked so often. And it's quite interesting that I started my career as an in audit and then in consulting with KPMG for many years. Um, but then I, I went on to, um, you know, to do not-for-profit work, helping women in the sex industry. That was um, when I decided to take a career break. But I really started my first business in fashion. And then my second business was in, you know, where I started a company representing international speakers. Um, I did a great job for two years. But then one day, one of my clients asked me, you know, they looked at my profile and said, hey, you know, would you like to speak? You know, I've never actually taken the stage before, but I've, I've, I did the, the best thing that I did, which even though I was not sure whether I would do a good job, I said the three letter word, yes. And um, then I never looked back. And so this is one thing I've also realized for any aspiring speaker mm -hmm. is just to say yes mm -hmm. to speaking opportunities. And uh, whether it's paid, whether it's, you know, pro bono, but that's the great way to just take the stage and find your voice. And that's what I did. And, um, and, and now it's 10 years that I'm a professional speaker speaking around the globe, um, you know, leading a, an, an organization as well in organizational development and still having fun every single day. Oh, fantastic. So you started in, you say, um, uh, accounting and then went to fashion. And from there, someone pulled you. Okay. <laughs> I want you on the stage. <laughs> I know. So it's, it's, it's been, I've, I've lived many lifetimes okay. in my life so far, but this is, it's still the beginning. I'm looking for more adventures. <laughs> and um, once one, I mean, my next uh, upcoming adventure is like what you said, the Rise to the Rank Summit. Where, because of, um, you know, we do a lot of work with Fortune 500 companies in Asia Pacific and around the world. Mm -hmm. And when I coach and I uh, speak to leaders, we get a lot of their questions 
a lot of their needs. So we've decided to put together a summit featuring 40 global gurus, billionaire entrepreneurs, New York Times bestselling authors, and and C-suite leaders. And um, it's 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 so um, it's an amazing platform. We've gotten amazing amazing insights, and like you say, it's launching on the 12th of November. And the best part is completely free. So anybody who just visits the website, um, risethroughtheranks.com, you know, you just need to sign up and you get your free pass. And then that's actually um, one of the best things that we have done. So, it sounds, sounds absolutely great. So how, how many hours is per day? If it's like seven days or something like that? It, It is seven days. So imagine, you know, you have 40 amazing speakers spread over seven days and um, you have people like Marshall Goldsmith, the world's number one executive coach, Sally Helgeson, you know, and we have um, Jayesh, who is the co-founder of Sony Entertainment Television. But literally, it's almost like having a personal conversation with these amazing thought leaders and you will be seeing never be never seen before sessions that will answer any questions that you have about how to break through in your career design your dream job and live a life of success and significance so um i'm i'm hosting this submit uh -huh. with my co-founder mokudeva and i look forward to really inviting you and connecting with you in these seven days well the very interesting thing that i just uh, heard from you is that you can The participants can answer questions to these uh, these big persons, uh, high influential people who are going to be in your summit. They um they they answer a lot of the questions that we have received from people. But the great thing is we also have a Facebook group, so where people can interact, people can share their realizations. So I think we do want to build a community of people who support one another, but most importantly, really rise through the ranks together. Because I, you know, in talking about uh, my main mission in life, which is to activate people's influence within. Mm -hmm. Because I believe that everybody is born influential. And it's just about some tweaks, certain adjustments, and sharpening our skill sets that would get us to where we want to go. Mm -hmm. So that's that's really about, you know, that's my passion and my mission. Yeah, as, as we are coming already to talk about influence in particular, could you first describe what, what influence is? You know, I've, wrote, I've written the book, um, Win People Over, 75 Simple and Powerful to Influence Anybody. That has been, it's in English, it's in Mandarin in the China market. And, you know, I, I define influence in one simple thing, which is the ability to change the way people think, feel, and to inspire action. And, uh, you know, Oscar, I know a lot of people here are also people who are interested in public speaking, right? Mm -hmm, yes. And if, if you look at this, um, to better understand influence, um, you know, when we talk about public speaking, there are three levels of speaking. Level one is you know, when you are doing a presentation, if your focus is on information, giving information, you're at level one. That means your main aim is to help people to increase their knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, level two is when you are explaining So that's when your focus is helping people to understand more. But the highest level is actually that of influence. Because when we're speaking, the main aim is really to help people to transform the way they think. But most importantly, after hearing you, what is that 
action that they're going to do differently. Whether it's to take out their checkbook, whether it's to you know do, do something that would enhance their life, whether it's to really go out and advocate for something, uh, to buy your idea, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. to give you resources. The the thing is, there is a reason why we are speaking, which is to change something, and that is the power of influence. Karen, and why it's it's influence so important today? You know, it's it's really interesting that um, whatever that we do, it really depends on on influence because we no longer. I mean, no man's an island. I mean, if we just relied on ourselves, then we didn't need to learn the art of influencing people. But whether it's you know us working in our businesses or our companies, we need to work with people. And we're talking about our colleagues, our co-workers, our bosses, our direct reports, our clients. So the ability to work well with people, the ability to have people champion you, I think it's essential. So it's not just a work skill, it is a life skill. I mean, getting somebody to marry you, I mean, that's also requiring influence, right? (laughs) (laughs) So... I think therein lies the, the importance of understanding what influence is and how do you best leverage it. Yes, so it's everywhere, as, as you said. So let's jump to the how we can build or improve the influence. Uh, what is your best piece of advice on that? You know, influence is such a big word and I, I like to make things really simple. So if you really break influence down, you know, through my research and working with thousands of people in more than 13 countries, I've discovered that influence can be broken down to two pillars. So the first pillar is like, and the second pillar is respect. I mean, to, to, I mean, let, let's just, just imagine, right, if you were to meet somebody for the first time, um, the first question that pops into your head is, do I like you? I mean, it's very subconscious. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, but if the answer is, no, I don't like you, what happens is that we automatically disconnect. We have no desire to really want to continue the interaction. Um, but of course, you know, sometimes if you are meeting your new boss for the first time, you, you can't automatically disconnect. Mm. But what will happen is that, you know, you will emotionally disconnect. So you might go through the emotions, but you're not no longer vested in really knowing and um, you know learning more about that person. So now imagine if the answer is, yes, I like you. Um, then only we would be motivated to build relationships, you know, communicate. And in the process, the next question is, do I respect you? Mm-hmm. So, um, so if you look at the two pillars, like and respect, what, it, what like means is um, whether you trust the person's intention. And that's a very powerful thing because if you trust a person's intentions, you let your guard down. Mm. You have, you're more likely to believe what the person says. Now, let's look at the second pillar, which is, um, you know, do I respect you? Mm-hmm. What it really means is, do I respect your capabilities? So, you know, do I actually think that you have what it takes to really make things happen? Um, you know, so... Like and respect, um, the basis of these two is trust. So when you know how to increase both likability and respect, then you're in a zone of maximum trust. So I think um, 
I think therein lies the importance because many of us, we, we tend to default in using one pillar more than the other. So if I were to ask you, Oscar, I mean, when you are interacting with people, which one do you tend to use more of to build likability or to build respect? I think it depends on the, on the context. If it's more, more social can be liking. If it's more professional, I would say with respect. It's, it's, it's interesting, right? How you also shift between one and the other. Mm. And, um, so that's, that's also, that also shows how versatile we are. Um, it also helps us to understand that, um, you know, like in, in our programs, when we work with leaders and executives, we help them to be able to calibrate whether it's how to boost both like and respect at the same time. But the key thing is um, like opens the door to influence mm-hmm. and respect holds it open. Mm-hmm. So many people for example, um, may not realize that, you know, because when you focus too much just on using respect without likability, you would always need to work harder. And um, Mm -hmm. so that that's also very important to know the sequence of how influence works. Okay, interesting. First is like is open, opening the doors, as you said, no, respect is uh, keeping them open. Hmm? Yes. That's right. So like is the door opener because um, when the person likes you, the person is then vested in hearing what you have to say and open to, to respecting you. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you do it the other way around, um, I mean, if you think ab- about it, you know, if, if, if somebody does not like you, um, the tendency is no matter how good you are, you know, how much you actually show your competence uh, the other person may still decide to you know come up with a lot of excuses why you should not be um you know you should not be supported for example so, so let, let's let's imagine um you know if you're a public speaker and, and you take the stage mm-hmm. i often recommend spending at least 10 percent of the time at least upfront building rapport with the audience so when you build rapport with the audience, it's about creating likability because the audience likes you. The audience wants you to succeed. Um, so then, you know, even if you make a minor mistake, the audience will forgive you. Yes. <laughs> so then you can bring on your the other credibility indicators, whether it's using statistics or using, you know, your past experience to show your expertise. So when you know how to play like first and then respect, then you are in the zone of maximum influence. But imagine if a speaker comes in and, and you know, you talk down at the audience, you know, you treat them less fools. And um, the thing is then, you know, people, no matter how brilliant you are, people may not actually um, be bothered to hear what you have to say. Mm. Or they've made their minds that they don't like you. Yeah. So their minds are shut. So knowing the sequence is, is important especially also in the era of public speaking. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a great example. Um, yeah, I, I agree with it. So, um, what about, um, this is, for instance, for speaking, the example you just share is for a specific event, so you will somehow influence a number of people, can be 50, 100, in the best case, going to be 1,000, something like that, in a speaking event. But what if you, yeah. you want to do it um, more... 
long term. No, as I mentioned at first, is is um, if I let's say uh, someone in the audience wants to be the top influential people, let's say in marketing in Singapore. So how do you reach that? Uh, is it is it important to be in this top list, or what is a good um, what is a good uh, outcome f- um, that you can feel? Yes, I am more influential now. Um, I mean, let me just give you a very relevant example today because we are in a hyper-connected world. I mean, you see many people actually build their personal brands on social media. So you've got great platforms like LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Twitter. Now, so how you build your brand, how you market your, your personal brand on social media um, also depends on whether you know how to leverage your principles or influence. So if, if you are somebody who comes across like a seller, and a self-promotion. So every everything you put on on um, on the social media is about how great you are, how great <laughs> your products are. The thing is, then you are focusing really on on you know trying. You're you're missing the boat because you're not building likability first. Mm, yeah. So likability. If I were to break likability down, there there are two things about likability. The first is people like people who like them. So that's the first thing. That means, you know, when, you, when you're positive, when you're open, when you actually have a very, um, you know, like a good-hearted disposition, um, people are more likely to reciprocate. So we're all reciprocal creatures. Mm-hmm. So whether it's you in public speaking, if you're positive, or whether on social media you are generally having a positive tone, people tend to like to engage with you. Now, the second part of likability is people like people who are like themselves. So we tend to connect better with people who um, we have a lot of co- in common with. So, you know, like if, if I mean, just take for example, I mean, if you, um, if you, uh, Oscar, you travel to a different country and then you heard somebody with the same accent as you mm-hmm. and um, from Helsinki, or the things that you would turn around and you, or maybe even speaking your own language, you would turn around and the connection is very instant, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it happens. Um, it happens. Like, you know, in Singapore, you know, we have um, our Singapore accent in English. We call it Singlish. Yeah. So whenever I travel and I, I hear somebody speaking Singlish, I would like, wow, you know, it's, there's an instant connection because we like people who are like ourselves. And it's more accentuated, especially when you're traveling out of your country. But whether it's about somebody who has the same um, gender as you, same um, personality type, or even age group, social economic status, we tend to feel most comfortable with people who are like us. I mean, don't you agree? Mm-hmm. Um, because the gap is very small. So therein lies the second part of likability is um, how do you close the gap with people? You know, if you're building your personal brand or even when you're talking to somebody face to face. So it's about finding the common. So the more you can really connect and empathize with the other person, the more that the person is able to connect with you. And that's when I, when I share that, um, you know, the best ways to close the gap are not demographically, but actually based on things like um, shared values, because we all have the same emotions. We all have inspirations. We all have fears. Mm-hmm. We all have values. So it's just fascinating, you know, that when we actually, you know, have a conversation with people about some things that are deeper, um, whether it's feelings, whether it's family. 
I mean, take, for example, family. We all have parents. I mean, you know, so it's easier to find the common when you are connecting with people on feelings and families. So that's just one example of how you can close the gap, Um, whether we're speaking to anybody face to face or even when you're marketing yourself on social media about how you want to relate to different people. So and and show more of your authentic self. So I I hope I had I helped to shed some light on this. Yeah, these are also good, very good examples. Yes, I think from you have already been telling us um, we get an idea what we should do. But it's also good to know what we should not do. So what are common mistakes people do that undermine their um, influence? I think you mentioned already selling. Someone is selling too much. Uh, what else yeah. would it be? Let, let me share with you one. I mean, because you when know, I... I do a lot of keynotes, um, especially a lot of women's leadership events. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I also tell people, you know, about the two pillars, like and respect. Um, one of the big mistakes people do think is that, you know, by increasing, if they want to be more respected, they actually decrease likability. <laughs> um, it's, you know, they, a lot of people see respect and likability like a seesaw. That, you know, if I, if let's say if I'm, if I'm promoted, to a higher position and now my peers are reporting to me mm-hmm. then a lot of people might think okay I need to actually now hold my distance I need to be more leader like and, and speak more formally for oh, example yeah. you know and, and, and we keep decrease likability and it kind of increase the distance but actually that's not not true but a lot of people make that mistake mm-hmm. you you the thing is about holding um, you want to hold likability constant and you can still increase respect so that's why like and respect are really not a balancing seesaw. Mm-hmm. But it's about you increasing both at the same time. So, I mean, the opposite mistake is also true. Um, people think that, you know, if they want to increase likability, they reduce respect. So mm-hmm. sometimes people go out of their way to be liked by somebody that they kind of panda. They, um, you know, they, they really kind of... Um, over compliment or so they don't maintain their own gravitas they don't maintain their mm-hmm. own thoughts um and and opinions so that is also the the danger you know so you you you, you shouldn't give away your self-respect in order to mm-hmm. have people mm-hmm. respect you more mm-hmm. so that's another big mistake yeah yeah that's uh, that's, that's true yeah so I've learned this actually the hard way. I've made so many mistakes in my my own life journey. Um, <laughs> that because I was, if you look at my story, I mean, I was born as a painfully shy child. I was so shy. I remember that you know it was just like I was three years old. I just literally you know was really quiet. Didn't want to talk to anybody. And my mom thought that you know she wanted to send me to a psychologist. Oh yeah. yeah. To see a psychiatrist. Yeah, she's so worried. But um, I wasn't suffering from any antisocial disorder. I, I just didn't know how to make friends. Mm. I, I just, you know, um, was maybe a, led a very protected life. So I, I just really needed to get out of my shell. So it took me, I would say, easily more than 10, to 10 years just to slowly get out of my shell. And um, that's why it's no wonder that I joined Audit, right? Nobody needs to have friends when you're an auditor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you could um, be in your cubicle. But it, 
<laughs> yes. But it was really about, um, you know, taking so many attempts, so many actions to understand what it is to be influential and kind of making a lot of mistakes. Some of my experiments backfired. But, um, but it was through my own personal journey that I've also realized what worked and what doesn't. So all the 75, you know, simple and powerful actions that I put inside my book, they're all based on real examples. And of course, they are then, you know, based on the success stories of my clients who are largely really smart and um, uh, smart, successful executives who want to go the extra mile mm. and to boost their, their influence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's an exciting journey. I mean, we, we have a profiling tool. We have um, a lot of, um, you know, um, signature programs around influence. So this is this is my my journey, which is to help people to break influence down into something simple. Mm-hmm. And as you just mentioned, tools, there is also a way to measure influence. Um. That's a really interesting question, and that that's that's an auditor's mind oh, <laughs> when <yeah. laughs> you know when um and we, like how do you actually measure influence? Is is there a way? I mean, we have ways of measuring social media influence, for example, mm-hmm. um, just by the number of engagements people make with you. Um, but but the thing is that I I think influence, um. It's something which it's also really hard to measure, but yet it is something that I think um, can also be measured because, you know, influence is about taking action that changes the way people think and act. So the only way that you can increase your influence is if you take an action where people can actually see. Mm, yeah. So I, I call it that you know we don't we don't take actions we don't think about being more influential you actually have to act, um, you know in order to increase your influence. I mean so I I see actions actions should be have three qualities they should be simple, Sim- something so simple that you can do every day they should be number two they should be repetitive so that you know you can do an action over and over again and it becomes your new behavior and number 3 they should be visible so that they you can influence anybody i mean so a simple thing is that i've had um senior leaders who really um want to just be more approachable so there was one of my coaches you know i was just saying that have you actually noticed how rarely you smile <laughs> so and um, so it's, it's very interesting that something as simple as, as a smile, um, like a warm look. Um, imagine if people see you looking really aloof every single day. That becomes your brand. So I think it's really important to know that a simple thing, like a smile and open gestures, that, you know, often first impressions are lasting impressions. So that's how you could really make a difference by visible action. Yeah. I, I think you are you're right into this. So see so you take some action, you will you will get results and you you get an idea that how influential you are. Yes. And Karen, could you now share with us what is your favorite quote? You know, 
I have this quote that I really love from a lady I absolutely admire, and she goes by the name Karen Leong. <laughs> hmm. um, no, it's 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 a quote that actually changed my life, and that I put inside my book. If I could, be, if I could just be so upfront, mm-hmm. um, that is, you know, the quality of the conversations you have with anyone dictates the quality of your relationship. Uh, so it's, you know, which, which really is, you know, that when you change the conversation, you can change the quality of any relationship. Mm-hmm. And so that is what I've discovered. Because ma- many people live their lives thinking that their relationships dictates their conversations. So mm-hmm. for example, um, if I'm speaking to a boss, then I have a particular kind of conversations, the boss type of conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm speaking to a coworker, then I, you know, I have co- then I have another type of conversation. If I'm speaking to uh, friends, then my conversation changes. Or if I'm speaking to my spouse, then it's different. See, see, a lot of people go through life actually having different kinds of conversations based on their relationships. But actually, it's the other way around. That, you know, when you, you could, when you deepen the relationship, when you change the, the conversations with anybody, even in a very short amount of time, um, you can create the feeling that, um, the person feels as if he or she is very close and connected to you. The person could feel almost as if you have a connection, a special, um, relationship. So it's really not tied to the length of time or the, the title or the type of relationship is actually your ability to ask questions and have a conversation mm-hmm. that creates the feeling with anybody. Okay. So <laughs> I think, I think that's, that's something that's, um, that anybody could, could really use to, to have great conversations with everybody. Yeah. Could you now share with us, a book that has been particularly inspiring or influential for you? There are so many books. Oh yeah. Um, let me. Okay, I, I'm just gonna let me let me share one. What I really I, I love this book, um, mm-hmm. Big Magic, okay. by Elizabeth Gilbert. I mean, she's um, she's the author of Eat, Pray, Love. So mm-hmm. she wrote this book on creative living beyond fear. And how can people tap into their creativity no matter what kind of jobs they do? Because you see, a lot of us, we have, um, we have creative ideas. Like some people want to write. Some people want to start a business or some people want to do something that shows, you know, like, like they have an idea that inspires them. But a lot of people are fearful of taking that first step. So there is one particular, um, there's one particular idea that she shared in a book that I absolutely love. You know, she, she, she talked about, you know, when you have an idea, um, when you want to really do something, you know, treat it like, you know, have an affair with it. <laughs> so treat it, treat it like your mistress. Because, I mean, so many people treat their ideas like it's like an, it's like a, it's like a, a burdensome marriage. <laughs> something which, um, it's like a labor of love. But, but if, just, just imagine, you know, if, if you treat something like an affair, I mean, think about it, you know, like, you know, anybody who has had an extramarital affair, <laughs> um, you know, 
they will find time to go and see their lover. I mean, even 15 minutes in the stairwell, you know, they have a, uh, they have a secret rendezvous. I mean, it, you know, they will find time for it and it would invigorate them. So well, what I'm just saying is that, you know, if you treat your idea like an affair, it will inspire you. You, you will fall in love with your creativity. You, you will stop seeing it like a tired, old, unhappy marriage, like somebody, something you have to work so hard at. But you will really start looking at it like a, like a passionate lover and you will find time for it. I think, to me, that's the thing. You will be able to steal 15 minutes a day just to find time to let your idea come alive. That 15 minutes is all you need, actually, in a day mm, <laughs> to yeah. make love to it. So. I really love this book. And uh, well, that I have an affair with lots of my ideas. Okay. And, you know, I mean, thankfully, many of them have borne fruit. So that's why I so connect with that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it sounds like a very interesting book huh? to read. <laughs> I know. Time to put it on the book list. <laughs> yeah. Can you yeah. finally share with us an exercise, something practical that you would recommend us doing regularly, a routine? to shine um you know for 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 pe for us to shine um it really actually is about we are most powerful when our creative authentic self comes to life i mean just imagine speaking some of the most compelling speakers are so um compelling because of their stories They, they just have that passion. They have an amazing story. They have a voice. So I feel that very often it's about us finding our authentic voice. And so my, my practical tip is something which I did on my own, which is, you know, to, to find, take about 15 minutes. I, I love the, the magic 15 minutes um, to have an affair with your creativity. But more importantly, schedule 15 minutes, maybe first thing in the morning or some people's late at night. But um, schedule it to, to really um, spend time with your creativity. So whether it's to write, whether it's to read, whether it's to speak for free, Whether it's to, you know, share a post on LinkedIn or on Twitter that, that, that you, an idea you really love or to advocate for something. Whether it's to write in your journal. I mean, it's like for me, I actually write, um, you know, things, stories in my journal and, and they are amazing content for my keynote. So I, I believe in spending time with our creativity every single day. And, and let, let me share with you a very simple tip. When I started work in the corporate world, I actually realized that I gave up reading fiction. Mm. So that, you know, and I started reading other things like The Economist and sure. like business journals because I didn't see any point in fiction anymore. <laughs> But what was really interesting was that when I wrote my first book and I gave the manuscript to my co-director who is, you know, he's India's Tom Clancy. I mean, he is um, he's one of the leading authors in, in, in India for military thrillers. So when I, when I gave my manuscript to him, guess what? He fell asleep because oh. it was so boring. I mean, <laughs> it read like a textbook. <laughs> so, and, and that's when he actually asked me, he said, Karen, I mean, oh my God, you, it's, just, it's just so academic. It's boring. And um, that's when I realized that I had stopped reading fiction. I had mm -hmm. become absolutely boring in my mind. 
And so what I did was that I decided to get in touch with my creative self. So I, I started picking fiction. I mean, from across all genres. But one genre that I found really exciting was young adult fiction. Because, um, you know, the writers in that genre, I mean, they need to write in a very modern, mm. a very um, sh- concise way to capture, mm. you know, teenagers, their attention span is really short. So that really helped me to kind of develop my creative spark to help me to realize that people do think in pictures, people think in stories. And the ability to tell a story is a very powerful, influential tool. And so that's my practical tip, you know, start reading fiction (laughs) or at least start doing something that gets in touch with your creativity and you will find your voice. You will find what, what, what you really love, um, you know, doing Mm -hmm. what you're really passionate about. Yes. Yeah. Excellent piece of advice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thanks a lot, Karen, for sharing your, your stories, very fascinating stories and your expertise. So please tell us how we can follow you, learn more about what you are doing, please. Um, thanks so much, Oscar. I had such an amazing time with, um, you know, sh- having a conversation with you. <laughs> I mean, so people, you can connect with me on, you know, on LinkedIn, under Karen Leong. Um, I'm also on Twitter. I've got my Facebook page all under Karen. Um, you know, feel free to write to me at Karen, K-A-R-E-N at Karen Leong. That's L-E-O-N-G dot com. But most of all, you know, it'd be great for all of you to um, come on and get your free past at the Rise to the Rank Summit. And for those of you who missed it, it's Rise, R-I-S-E, through the ranks dot com. Just sign up, get your free pass, and we are just waiting to share so many amazing insights with you from 40 global gurus. So... I just wish um, everybody, you know, all, all the success. And um, Oscar, you're doing an amazing job with this Rise to Shine podcast. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you. And all the best. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time, 